listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. My name is Todd Urey. I am the host of the show. I'm the founder of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. It is my honor to be a microphone and amplifier for the pharmacy profession, the pharmacist, my favorite provider, and all of you technicians out there who are working your asses off. I can say ass because it's my own show. So um, we have some exciting guests today. I can't tell you how excited I am because I'm going into a weekend where we're going to be talking about community pharmacy at the um, at the NCPA, which is going to be in Orlando, Florida. And um, that's going to be an exciting opportunity to get together with um, a bunch of pharmacy owners um, that are all independent pharmacy owners, once again, in Orlando. If you are going to the NCPA, please meet up with me. I will be um, uh, in the uh, Real Value RX booth on Sunday and then IPC on Monday. Um, and, uh, and let's just talk, let's talk about the industry. Let's talk about what you're doing to change things in your community, be a pharmacy, how you're surviving, how you're thriving. And that's what 2024 is going to be about. It's going to be about surviving and thriving, um, based on the DIR fee apocalypse that's having an immense amount of pressure on our healthcare system right now, specifically here in the United States. That's part of why we're calling today's episode in honor of everyone that was involved in walkouts throughout the nation, Operation Spotlight, in order to bring more attention to what's happening in our pharmacy profession. And unless you're in the profession and really paying attention to it, it's really hard to understand what is real and what is media smoke and what is the narrative of some of the big chain pharmacies. So I'm so excited to have a pharmacy owner coming in tonight, today, as well as um, a, um, a, a person that's been very um, script-driven uh, in really understanding the narrative, how to communicate out through Facebook, through uh, an amazing 120 followers um, on the Accidental Pharmacist uh, Facebook page. But first, I want to talk about um, just throwing everyone a, a side winger, a side winger dinger, is the fact that um, I want to, I'm very proud. I'm a, I'm a proud godfather. I live here in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. I want to share something with you. If you're watching the show live, you'll actually see the video. You'll be able to hear this. But um, this is a, um, an amazing uh, play that I want to share. I'm a football fan. Let's take a look. Second and goal, Stafford the kick, and he gets in! Touchdown, UConn! 6'1", 303 pounds, a Youngstown State transfer to Lonnie Stafford. Second touchdown this season. I'm telling you, this is the way the game was designed to be played. Give the ball to your D-line turned fullback, have a tight end pushing him from behind. It's a different version of the brotherly shove that the Eagles are making famous. All right, so imagine being a um, a defensive tackle and your coach saying to you through probably some meticulous design, hey, uh, Jelani Stafford, we want you to run the ball. And it's no surprise to Jelani because he ran the ball in high school. But 
I want to welcome my godson and um, defensive tackle with um, Connecticut's Huskies, Jelani Stafford. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, we're talking about sports pharmacy to kick off today's episode and how important it is to take care of yourself. And um, I'm so proud of what you've done in football and how much you've been committed. Um, and I think it's just amazing how they're flip-flopping you between defense and offense when you're needed. <laughs> but tell me about that experience and, and being part of um, both sides uh, of the team, both sides of the ball. I mean, honestly, it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, not only for me, but for the team, you know, I get to uh, showcase my athlete, my athleticism on both sides of the ball, you know, and I'm, I'm the kind of guy that's going to um, do what's best for the team, you know, whether that's um, playing defense at a high level, whether that's, you know, um, playing on offense and, you know, getting those short yardage plays that we need to, you know, advance for the offense. So I'm just really grateful, you know, that our coaching staff believed in me and gave me the opportunity to do so. I want to give a shout out to UConn School of Pharmacy. Um, go Huskies, UConn School of Pharmacy. Um, everything that you're doing to prepare to become pharmacists. This is important, the future of pharmacists. Uh, Jelani gets sick of hearing me talk about pharmacy all the time, but I think it's pertinent. And um, our first guest that I want to bring on is special to me. He's a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, and he concentrates on sports pharmacy specifically. So I was really excited to have Jelani here just to say hi to him. Uh, Dr. H, welcome to This Week in Pharmacy. What's up, guys? How are you? Doing great. Um, as a pharmacist, what's the first questions you have for a high-performing um, athlete in, in football and what they might be doing and what you see ahead as somebody that really focuses on athletics? So as a pharmacist or as an athlete first, which one do you want? you got to mix them Both, together. All right. Cookie dough. As, as an athlete, Jelani, I'm pretty sure I could outbench you. I'm just saying, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, as a, as a pharmacist, one of our, one of our staples is, um, more things to help protect you in the future. Um, especially playing football. So for me, I played, I played college soccer. Um, I was a backup kicker for school. So you're allowed to make fun of me for that. No big deal. Um, and so you guys are prone to a lot more concussions. So I always want to double check, um, what sort of protective things are you taking as supplement wise to help protect you for future concussions? Um, to prevent CTE from coming on. And we actually had a podcast episode um, highlighting the, the importance of omega-3 um, in preventing CTE and concussion, long-term concussion issues. That's, my turn. That's really interesting. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't realize that. I've listened to that episode and didn't realize what I was listening to. Sometimes <laughs> I'm content and don't even realize what, what's going on. But are they, do they ever have anybody come up to the whole team and kind of really talk about topicals or supplements or anything like um, that? Well like, well, like you said, I know you mentioned you said the omega-3. Mm -hmm. So we get a lot of supplements and things like that um, kind of just throughout the season. Well, it's like every day after our workouts, you know, they supply us with these supplements, you know, make sure we're taking them. They they have nice. a they, they, they check to make sure everyone takes their supplements. You know, everyone's on the right track in, in regards to that. And um, along with, you know, concussions and, and things like that, the steps we're taking – are the the new technology they created the guardians they're like the um, yeah, protective shields on the helmets so we we practice with those all guys that have immediate contact so that's usually your offensive and defensive linemen uh they wear guardians for every practice you know so we wear those every day whether it's a contact practice or if it's you know light contact and it's just you know we're putting our hands on each other but it's all stuff put in place to you know protect us and everyone around us so what I always think about Dr. H is 
how many of our pharmacy students who are hitting that P3 and P4 level of their education and they're deciding, hey, what what sector of pharmacy do I want to go into? And I guarantee of the 140 schools that are out there, very few are hearing about the world of athletics and the world of taking care of um, you know, people that are high intense performers, whether that's track or football or soccer or whatever it is. But when I think of the schools out there, Dr. H, this is my wish. So I'll have to come back to you later and we'll have to create something. Think about UConn. UConn is one of these leading programs from an athletic persist- per- perspective. Their football team, wasn't there the champions uh, just last year? Basketball. 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 Champions, basketball. right? So high performers. And I'm thinking, why not get the School of Pharmacy involved at that P3 and P4 level to just go in and explore and learn and work alongside you know, some of the trainers to really kind of inject their knowledge and, of course, their curiosity of saying, how do we... Uh, help heal faster, heal better, control pain, and do everything that a pharmacist understands. And I would love to see some someone like a, a UConn that has multiple programs uh, left with some of their student body. One, one of the things that we were able to incorporate specifically in my pharmacy, and and I'm, I'm sure you guys would appreciate this, is I was uh, I actually got my certified sports nutritionist license. So now I'm able to both work on the supplement side and the nutrition side for athletes, even the weekend warriors that just want to take their workouts to the next level. Um, what really motivated me is I'm, I'm not sure if you remember, but I think it was last year, DeAndre Hopkins, the uh, wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he got, he got suspended for taking him a supplement or he was a, a performance enhancing medication. Basically mm-hmm. um, turns out it was just a supplement that could have been prevented when they had a pharmacist. So they, the Arizona Cardinals actually hired a pharmacist to be on staff to check on all sorts of supplements and, and things before athletes take them to ensure they're not on the, on the anti-doping list. Um, we have a future episode coming out with um, uh, Dr. Jules Wolf, who's in the University of Illinois Champaign, and he, he specializes around the anti-doping studies and studies more of the psychology behind what prompts athletes to start taking these PEDs and how do they prevent it and who's more susceptible to it. Um, so there's, there's a psychological piece and there's also a physical piece that we're, that we try to make sure we check into. Any pharmacy students that are listening to this episode, any pharmacists that are listening to this episode that are interested in digging deeper into athletics, please reach out to Dr. H. He's just a, a plethora of knowledge on it and you're passionate about it, Dr. H. That's why I like you being part of this network. Before you go, we're going to let Jelani go. What's next? What? I know this is your bye week right now. You're taking a little rest. You're home now with me. I love. We love having you home. But what's next? Um, honestly, it's just to, um, you know, keep our heads down. Especially, you know, how we started the season. We didn't start so great. Um, we had some success last year, which hasn't been um, too known at UConn football for a while. You know, we made a bowl game last year. And um, the goal was still the goal. You know, even though we started one and five, we got six left. You know, we win six games, we go to a bowl game. So yep. um, we're looking forward to winning seven straight. I mean, six straight. Yeah. So what's the net? You're going for you, homie. Thank you. You're going to Houston, right? No, we're going. We just came. We actually just played Houston. Houston. We played okay. We played Rice um, in Houston. And now we have University of South Florida at home at the rent. So you know, we always play pretty good at home. So hoping <laughs> to bring a W home. Love it. Well, we appreciate you being here. Um, hey, we're going to take a quick break and, and say thank you to um, IPC for being our sponsor today and uh, for the NCPA show. And when we come back, we're going to dig into sports pharmacy. So hold on. We'll be right back. 
This episode is sponsored by Independent Pharmacy Cooperative, widely known as IPC. Established in 1983, IPC is the nation's largest group purchasing organization owned by Independent Pharmacy. With a mission of maximizing the success of community pharmacists, IPC works to provide members with access to effective programs and services designed to enhance profitability for independent pharmacy. Read more about our mission by checking out our website at ipcrx.com. That's IPCRX.com. All right, we're back this week in pharmacy with Dr. H, the sports pharmacy podcast host. You have been uh, instrumental in bringing a whole new fresh approach to what the pharmacist is doing. And I'm thinking of community pharmacies because you're you get really into the weeds with this. However, I think of community pharmacies adopting some of what you've done in Stonebriar in your own community pharmacy to expand athletic program uh, athletic program support in their local high schools, in their local college towns. That some of these community pharmacies are there, and really using this sports pharmacy, athletic pharmacy support initiative as a way of expanding business and uh, exposing the need to, to, to teach these young athletes how to take care of their body better um, based on using of a medication, um, using of something during allergy season, using something during a time where they hurt themselves and they, they want to um, kind of get back on track as fast as possible. So what do you think of community pharmacy expanding into um, athletics based on some of your directives? First off, Todd, I appreciate your kind words, man. Love, I love the attention, but man, I, I appreciate you being so nice, man. It's uh, being part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network has taken the podcast to where I, ne- I never thought it would go, man. It's just been growing. We're about a year in now, and I'm I'm enjoying it, meeting a bunch of cool people. If I ever need like a question and advice from you, I text you, and you're so quick with giving me quick responses, man. So I appreciate it. First off, um, second, um, as you know, I'm I'm down here in Frisco, Texas. Um, we have some of the largest high schools in the entire country. Um, for example, there's a uh, high school here, Prosper ISD, that's about to build a $90 million stadium for their high school students. Um, that's just for that's just for high school football, which, you know, me coming from the East Coast is not something I'm used to. Like college basketball is king where I'm from. Um, and so I, I decided I wanted to really dive deep into it. And um, one of the big things that I decided to start doing was just to be more involved in the community. Um, one of which being is offering my services. And by the way, I'm gonna add this at, at first, at, for no charge because being a part of the community is that important to me. Um, I offer up, for example, on October 25th, um, Frisco ISD, which is the school district here, is holding a, uh, a large uh, community outreach program around the opioid crisis. And they invited me to come on to talk about how, what are the signs of addiction? What is, how do you know if your student could have some sort of opioid addiction? And a lot of them stem from post-injury. Um, they start on the pain medication after like a, a bad hit in football or, or a knee injury. And it builds an addiction from there. Um, from that, I've just been able to just get, you know, our message of Stonebriar out there. We hold counseling sessions for nutrition for, for anywhere between the, the elderly trying to get healthy to the, the athlete. And once they're in, they have a, consul- a consultation with me. They pay for that nutrition counseling. And then we offer the sample supplements right behind it. So you're building something outside of just billing insurance. And I can assure you, everyone wants to be healthier. If there's not a single person you'll talk to that doesn't want to 
take their health to the next level. And that's really what we try to strive for at Stonebriar Pharmacy. And that started with both me and my, my team. Um, I had to get healthy as well. And from there, uh, yeah, there they are. Um, from there, we just had to had to start growing. That's uh, that's Taylor. She's my uh, one of my other sports pharmacists that works here. She's super into wellness. Um, her husband's a former NFL player, um, so it's something that's very important to her. Um, and yeah, there's there's me, and my wife, man. Yeah, she's watching. Hi, baby. <laughs> well, um, that's just it. It's it, you're taking this personally. Community pharmacies, independent community pharmacies, take it personally. I think of the athletic directors that are overseeing. Um, school districts and um, may not understand um, opioid addiction and how to, how opioid addiction even starts. So I think any community pharmacy that's listening right now for 2024, put school districts, colleges, um, uh, private sports programs. I was I grew up in a in a in a swimming environment, so I was constantly swimming during this the summer. But but community pharmacy owners think about how to push your services and your expertise out to the athletics in your community and start becoming part of that. Because I think that's a business development driver to teach people how to, how to leverage their pharmacists more than just uh, the traditional assumption of what, of what pharmacy is and how to use your, your local pharmacy. So I'm very proud of what you've built with Stonebriar. I remember meeting you at Lisa Fast's um, Diversifier X very first event and you've just uh, you just exploded. I appreciate that, man. It's it's fun. It's it's something different than just filling a prescription. Like I, I I love meeting all my patients. I love being a part and people seeing me in the gym from here in Frisco that recognize me. It's uh, it's a great feeling. All right. So um, you and I prefaced before you came on today for this week in pharmacy and. We're going to be shifting gears to the whole purpose that we're here today, which is Operation Spotlight. Um, it's interesting to have you as part of the show in this discussion, um, uh, Dr. H, because you are a community pharmacy owner, and the ecosystem that you live in does does involve the entire community. So that some of the some of those community people are servicing and being serviced by and being cared for by a major big chain pharmacy or a grocery store chain pharmacy. So an aspect of what your operation is going through versus what a chain pharmacy is going through or what a grocery store chain is going through, very different. And it's in your operation, the way you treat your your staff, your techs, um, Dr. Garcia on your team, who's, who's helping to lead different environment than the Walgreens or the CVSs that are much more intense metrics driven in order to get as many prescriptions across and through the process as possible, which um, is all paid back to the payment mechanisms. And we can talk about PBM reform all day long and blue in the face, but there's an ecosystem domino effect of, of how payment metrics and how payment systems affect staffing. And it's because uh, these big publicly traded companies are thinking, how can we save as much money as possible? Let's throw one pharmacist on there. Let's call them a pick. The, the pharmacist's in charge and they have to run everything. Maybe give them a tech, maybe give them two, who knows, and throw them to the wolves. They got the phone calls. They got the vaccines. They got the phone ringing. They got the interchanges and the therapeutics and the insurance and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, there's not enough staffing. So I want to bring uh, Dr. Shane uh, Jeremiah on. He is the accidental pharmacist. He's coming back. He was here two weeks ago. 
Shane, it's so good to have you back. How's it going, Todd? Dr. H, I, I am so happy to meet you, uh, at least virtually. Nice I want to say that I will not beat you in a, a bench press contest <laughs> or, or uh, Jelani. Uh, I don't think I'm going to do that. And I'm like, Todd, you should have told me that they were going to come on first. Look at me. I'm in a Dunkin' Donuts dress-down shirt, and they're here talking about how you could get healthy and all this stuff. So I oh, need your help. I need your help. And listen, it's it's it all starts with you. And when you're ready, we're ready. All right, all right. Let we're me finish. My, let me finish my dozen that I have here, and then I'll get. Gotcha. I'll reach back out to you. Oh, okay. can you please send me some, man? I, <laughs> okay. I'm starving. Please. <laughs> um, Last thing before we get into this, Todd, I wanted to say, where did you find that picture? Because that that white coat that I have on is like five sizes too big. Was that <laughs> was that Jelani's white coat that you had? Because I was like, where did he find that picture? No, we we do internet uh, stalking, and we put in people's yeah. names, and we find pictures of people, and then we try to use them. And sometimes our artist Tyler, sometimes she manipulates pictures too. Wow! You know? Well, good good job, good job. Man, I thought it was better in that picture than I usually do. Nice. <laughs> All right, so listeners, we have. If you're not watching live and you're not watching the video, you can always find us on YouTube. You search Pharmacy Podcast Network, Twerks, T-W-I-R-X, Twerks. You'll find this episode. But if this is just audio for you, I want you to know that we're mixing it up today. We have a veteran who experienced intensive uh, chain drugstore life for years, including your, your beautiful wife. It also did the same thing, Shane. And then on the other side, we have Dr. H, who's had experience. You had experience in chain to start out, didn't you, uh, Dr. H? Oh, yeah. Yeah, both as a pharmacy supervisor and a pharmacy manager. And now you've blended your life and, and now you're doing um, independent community pharmacy. And mm -hmm. the public doesn't understand the difference between a pharmacy setting. You go to an independent community pharmacy, they're running things the way that they see fit, the operator, the, the, the insight, the experience. Shane, however, even though you are experienced and you're good at running multiple uh, techs and, and workloads and vaccines, as I was saying, you're also subjected to an artificial pressure that doesn't mean the balance between safety and outcomes and prescription processing. And just before we start into Operation Spotlight to really put more light on what um, our fellow pharmacists and technicians are going through right now, in multiple areas of the United States uh, that are understaffed. Um, Shane, just give us some of your background and, and what you have experienced as, as, a, um, as a chain pharmacy pick. Yeah, you know, I was, I was with the chains for the first 10 years of my career. I started out with Walgreens. My wife is still there every day, 16 years strong, at a very busy uh, chain, uh, chain Walgreens. Five years at Walgreens, went to Target, uh, back when it was still just Target, before CVS came in and ruined the best gig in all of retail pharmacy uh, for everyone. But uh, yeah, so I, then it became CVS Target. And that was right when I started the accidental pharmacist page. I had about 3000 followers and I said the magic word, workplace reform, uh, work, working conditions are bad. And I said the magic word unionization. And they said, shut down your page or go find a new job. And that's when I started uh, looking for jobs in an independent pharmacy setting. And independent pharmacy has its, its 
its own struggles and yeah. it, it is a, a dying profession in some ways if you can't find uh, a niche in there if pbm ref if pbm reform doesn't happen on a large scale we're losing independent pharmacies and it's a shame because there's a lot of genuine healthcare going on in those types of practice settings they they are doing the things that we wish in regular retail chain pharmacies we could be doing if we were appropriately staffed we're trained to do so but we're just not given the adequate staff and I can, as just a little anecdote from uh, right before Operation Spotlight happened, I walked into a Walgreens that I worked at early in my career. And this used to be a 24-hour location. It was very busy. Uh, it has since not gone to 24. There's no more 24-hour locations in the Palm Springs market. Not because they're that they're not busy enough to be. They just don't have enough pharmacists to staff it. So that's the first thing that goes away is that overnight pharmacist because they could still run and do, do the volume during the day. So I walked in, it's about one o'clock in the afternoon, a technician who's 20 year veteran was there with one pharmacist. And I said, I, I said to her, cause I, I worked with her a long time ago when I was a young pharmacist. And I said, Hey, how's it going? Where's everybody else? She said, this is all I have until two o'clock. And I said, you have got to be kidding me. There was a line wrapped around the building. She said, we did 40 vaccinations this morning. I said, who? You mean the two of you did 40 vaccinations along with everything else that the pharmacy is supposed to do here? And I just thought, I could remember how difficult it was when I was there. And I can only imagine what some of these pharmacists are struggling with that have one pharmacist and one technician with 144 per, uh, vaccine appointments and are expected to service walk-ins as well. You know, I want to say um, we, we've already, Shane and I already said this last time you were on, Shane, and that is we do not want Walgreens. We do not want CVS Health. We do not want any of the chains to fail because in failing, um, you're going to have huge amounts of populations in different cities and yeah. communities that are without pharmacy services. So that's not the purpose of Operation Spotlight. It's not the purpose of the walkouts to uh, to have these organizations fail. What we want is we want these organizations to put their pharmacists in a position of managing their stores as they see fit as the pharmacist in charge based on workloads, based on um, the the needs that fluctuate through the through the communities during flu season, during cold season, during immunization or back to school or holidays or anything that really, creates that up and down boost of workload and not so much workload workload not so much workload and having flexibility say listen i need maybe in a region shane they have these uh, pharmacists that are kind of like the floater pharmacists that go throughout different pharmacies and cover like really super busy times but the way that it's happening right now walgreens and cvs want the public to think this is a staffing shortage we're missing you know we don't have enough pharmacists which is complete bullshit. So I for every for every interview that I gave over the last two and a half weeks, it's not a staffing shortage. It's a shortage of pharmacists that are willing to risk their license in some cases to be practicing in an environment where they're going to make a mistake. It's an inevitability when you practice and there's that many pressures on you and you're stepping away from the actual duty of a pharmacist to safely and secure, uh, safely and accurately fill prescriptions that you're going to introduce error. It's only natural, we are only human. And when, you're, when you have to do all those things and they're all on your plate, you risk so much being in that practice setting. So I understand exactly why most pharmacists would opt to 
try and find an independent pharmacy that will help them succeed. Because even all of the even all the financial struggles that happen in a lot of smaller independent pharmacies, if you walk into most of them, you'll see they're still adequately staffed. So when I hear that, um, you know, Walgreens just needs to make make a little be a little bit more profitable this quarter in order to staff appropriately, or CVS. Ask Doctor H. You know, did do you base how you staff your pharmacy on how much revenue is coming in at the end of the month? You should you you know. You, you you adequately staff so that everyone can practice safely and you could take care of the community in the right way. For two two points um, coming from you know the the corporate world. First off, I learned so much at working at the big corporations. I was able to take in a lot of good information and use it as I needed. That since I have left, I have seen it just get progressively worse. I've seen it with friends. The two points I want to make just to agree with you is that one, the two most expensive things in any pharmacy, in any any, any sort of pharmacy you attend, is it independent, the CVS, Walgreens, wherever, the two most expensive things is inventory and payroll. Those are the two things. If you control both of those really well, then you're good, man. Like, thank, thank goodness we're doing okay here. We're four years in since I purchased it. Things are going well. My staff is happy. I'm happy. Everything's fine. That's number one. Um, I just blanked on number two. Sorry about that. Um, no, uh, but that's, that's, it's just, as long as you're adequately staffed and taking care of the people, then it's fine. Right, remember number two, it's cheaper for them to deal with an error and pay that fee than to pay staff. That's the issue is that they can live with this. Oh, look, we have an error. We have insurance. Everything's going to be fine. For sure. So that, and, that's, that's the other thing is the disparity between what the chains risk and what an individual pharmacist risks. Exactly. And that, that's my, that's my concern. And that's really the reason why they can't adequately staff in some places where pharmacists aren't willing to, to take these positions, because you're right. They'll there. It's cheaper for them to pay for an error should it get to the, to the Board of Pharmacy's attention, a $10,000 fine to CVS and Walgreens is a line item on a tax. It's, it's, it's nothing. But a pharmacist who's just been told he's going to be potentially on uh, probation for the next five years and have to uh, pay a $10,000 fine is risking so much more, essentially their livelihood and their reputation and their ability to be, feel confident in their own ability to practice. So that's the thing is there's so much more at risk for the actual pharmacist on the front line working behind the bench than there is for the, the company that employs them. And I will tell you, man, as a pharmacist that's been doing this for, for 11 years, I mean, we've all made our fair share of errors and for you sure. don't forget it, man. I, I remember my first error like it was yesterday and it's, it's engraved in the back of my head. So it's a, it's a, it's something that's just stuck with you and you carry that as you move through your profession. And I, I can assure you, I remember the patient, I remember the error, I remember everything that happened with it. And these poor people, and first off, watching the walkouts really catered to my punk rock, you know, 19-year-old <laughs> self. So I love seeing it, love fighting the man. That's just, that's just my style. But it's, um, it's something that, that I, I, I truly believe that there are powers to be that could protect us that aren't. I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to say anything else. But there are people out there that could protect us, but we're not protected as a profession. Let me ask a question between the two of you. Not a pharmacist. Um, um just your fan. So and I've watched from afar and I, I know a lot, but not the, not the grass in the, in the grassy roots of everything. So as pharmacist in a chain environment chain, you have to carry liability insurance yourself. Is that correct? I mean, some pharmacists do carry liability insurance. I think probably a vast majority of people who don't realize, who don't think that they need it probably should have it. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, CVS has plenty of insurance for themselves, but they're not going to 
they're not, I think in certain situations, they're going to provide you with an attorney when they feel like they have something at risk. But as far as like, oh, you know, I got this fine or I'm on probation, they're not going to be doling out money to you for, for any expenses that are going to arise from that. So and it's cheap, man. Insurance for, for, for pharmacists is like, it's like I pay like, I pay $150 a year for it. So it's, it's not. Yeah. It's not- so that's, that's something we should say as a public service announcement to the children, the youth in pharmacy school right now, because I believe the children are our future. Of Go out and get some liability insurance as soon as you do that. Uh, yeah. So UConn, you were talking about UConn being part of all the, the sports program. While they're, at, while they're doing that, let's go out and get them some uh, liability insurance as soon as they graduate. Ask your parents for it for graduation. Of course, graduation. <laughs> hey, uh, Shane, also tell us, uh, give us an update, our listeners update. I know people are very curious to hear, how is the progression of the support of the campaign that you set up through a GoFundMe in order to really help some of these technicians and these pharmacists who did take a stand and actually went and walked out. Yeah, so I had a uh, GoFundMe account that we started about two and a half years ago, trying to just explore the option of uh, starting a national pharmacy uh, pharmacist and technician union. And uh, we had about twenty three thousand dollars in the account. Ten thousand of dollars of that, the the voters, uh, the followers voted to donate that to, well, actually invest that in the shots with that documentary. So that happened a long time ago. So there was still money sitting in this account. And then I had made mention when the Kansas City walkout started that any of the funds that were there would be at the uh, disposal of the organizers in Kansas City and in Ohio, where there was that little... uh, Inside the Cleveland market, there's a handful of pharmacies that are with Walgreens that are trying to unionize. So... I talked with two of the organizers, uh, they're with the CBS Target channel in within Kansas City, and I said, it would be great to really pay out these technicians' wage assistance during the three days of your walkout in Kansas City, because I realized, you know, most of those technicians were not even getting full-time hours. So it means a lot. When you're losing an eight-hour shift, it means so much to them that I, I felt bad for, for technicians that were going to be out of work for three days. So he was sending, uh, through him, he was sending me the handles for, for them to, for us to just pay them out on these pay apps. And they were being so incredibly honest. It just, it, it touched, it, it really hit me in the heart. You know, it was one of those things. I'm a feeler to begin with. And I'm like, one of the technicians was like, well, I make sixteen fifty an hour and I was only scheduled for six hours today. So I sent, I texted back to, to the organizer. I said, well, they're getting a living wage today, 25 bucks an hour. And we're paying for eight hours. And we posted that online. And as soon as we did that, the donations started coming in. So we raised fifty, nearly $55,000 in the matter of like two weeks. And after we paid out everybody during the first, the first walkouts in Kansas City, I said, well, you guys tell me, do you want to use this money left for Operation Spotlight or do you want to wait for the potential for Farmageddon at the end of October? And they, the voter, uh, the followers resoundingly said, go ahead and do this for wage support for Operation Spotlight. So about 175 technicians reached out. They got an average of a $200 payment each across the country. And I, it was twofold. I wanted to ask everybody, they, they, most of them got the same payment, but I wanted to find out what store they were working at and what their rate of pay was. And I found out the lowest in the country was about $13.75 an hour, $13.50 an hour, ranging up to about $26.15 as an outlier. But most of them were right around the $16, $17 an hour range. And I thought, you know, this is one of those things that we really need to fix with inside retail. With, with inside retail. 
when you think about a technician making 16 or $17 an hour, there's a huge pool of jobs that are way less stressful that require a much easier set of skills to, to, to deal with and will provide you full-time hours. So I said to myself, you know, we need to fix this first. This is the biggest problem facing the chains right now is if we can adequately pay technicians a livable wage, we can keep great technicians and it's not pandering tech technicians are the backbone of a pharmacy you can have the best pharmacist in the world and if you leave him alone he's helpless and you're feeding him to the wolves you have to have great technicians in order to have a great pharmacy i, I didn't have my lead tech for two days and i thought my world was falling apart. <laughs> so, <laughs> we've all been there never worked when, so hard in my life that, when you see that message in the morning when the phone rings at an odd hour or you get a, a text message you're like oh please just don't let it be don't let it be them. <laughs> don't let it be my star tech that holds it all together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what I want to know, we have a lot of curious listeners. What do we do to take this to the next level, Shane? How do we, how do we, I think of our community pharmacies even of, of actually you, you, there's firewalls between the sections of pharmacy, which from me that publishes information about every sector frustrates. Yeah. I'd like to see those walls start coming down. But how do we use some of the proven operational excellence in community pharmacy where they're keeping staff? Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, nothing's perfect, but they're not burning out their employees. Yeah, like I think we need, I think it all starts with educating the public. I think I would say anybody who's around Dr. H, go to, you have Walgreens and CVS in your area. I would <laughs> Two say 24 hour stores a mouse out. I would say go into one of those CVSs and see how they operate and then walk into Dr. H's store and see the difference and say, would I like every, would I like every CVS and every Walgreens in, in, in the country to operate the same way most independents do? You'd probably say yes, that they're adequately staffed, that they understand, and there's actual patients in there. You, you have patients. Not every CVS has patients. They have customers that are in and out the door. And I thrive in an environment where I actually care about people. And I want to be in an, I want to practice in a setting where I know as many people as walk through the door as possible, because that cuts down on errors that, uh, one, it's good for business. When you have that relationship with patients, they will come see you. They will follow you if you leave and go somewhere else. They're, it's, they don't even want to talk to somebody when you have a day off, but that's, that means that you've bonded with patients and you're really, you're really a healthcare provider. They can call us whatever they want. They can give us the status or not, but you are a healthcare provider when they come in and they want to talk to you and they trust you. They trust your word. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And it's also um, bringing things full circle. So the next stage of operation spotlight, I want to see this continuing to grow and people feel empowered and not feel afraid to lose their jobs or be reprimanded by these behemoths and these giants. What What's the vibe that you're getting out there, Shane? Yeah, uh, the, that, that's what I've been trying to push on the platform the last few days is I, I asked, I, I made a call. I said, anybody who was disciplined, who was fired, who was reprimanded for calling out during Operation Spotlight or Kansas City, reach out to us so that we, one, that we can help you because we've had multiple unions offer legal assistance to anyone who's had anything like that happen. No one has been been reprimanded to date that 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 has gotten back to me uh, via 
direct message or anything. And my, my phone number's out there. I'm getting calls from technicians still asking me if there's wage assistance. Like I said, it's over already. You got to go to work today, man. I'm about today, to text man. you too, man. I was like, uh, I need wage assistance. <laughs> it's funny how popular you get when you're, when you're giving oh, away money, for sure. And the thing was is that I wanted to say it was the, the best experience I ever had. And I kept, everyone was so grateful. And I kept saying, this is not for me. This is from the community of pharmacists and technicians who donated across the country. I'm just the guy you know, working the app and sending it away. This wasn't from me. I'm not, but it was a great feeling and people were so grateful. I think that Mr. Beast must sleep like a baby at night because that's the best <laughs> job. If you, if you want a job that really makes you feel fulfilled, giving away money would be perfect because oh, it was, it was the best job ever. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, it helps you sleep at night, man. That's, a, that's great. It sure does. You feel like you were I, making I, a difference in actual people's lives. I mean, I, I know with with all this is that we're trying to you know better our profession, but for the people that aren't on the front lines or aren't at the big corporations, what more can we do to help with the message? I mean, there's only like, for me, I know I have contracts with CVS Caremark and all these other people, so I can't, obviously can't badmouth anyone, but I never would yeah. stay clear of that. Um, but what can we do to help with that? Yeah. So the, this, the first thing, like I'm not trying to bad mouth CVS or Walgreens. If I had, if I had them reach out to me and say like, Hey, you know, some, somebody wants to talk to you about how we can avoid the walkouts at the end of the month. I'd be willing to sit down to any of them. I just had, I, it was kind of crazy, but, uh, the CEO of APHA was in my uh, DMs uh, last week, last really? week. And yeah. And, and we had a meeting last Sunday, uh, a zoom what, meeting. What's his name, by the way? Dr. Michael Hogan. Dr. Michael Hooks, he's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. And I really had, I am rooting for pharmacy. I had to give APHA credit because I've been critical in the past, but Dr. Hogue has taken a very strong stance. You can read the CNN article or a couple other others that he was yeah. quoted in saying that he stands with pharmacists and he understands why pharmacists and technicians have decided to not practice in environments where their patient safety is at risk. So the first thing is, uh, Support, supporting one another, whether you cho whether you choose to stay open, whether you, you're that, we've created, this is one thing independent pharmacies can do. So uh, Dr. Benjamin Jolly, who runs an independent pharmacy and owner yeah, in, like out that. of Utah, yeah. helped us create a safe and uh, supported document. So if you go to the Accidental Pharmacist page, you can find this. I'll put the link on the top again in case you want. So if your pharmacy is safe and supported, whether you're an independent pharmacy, a CVS or a Walgreens, you can go and find and find that and and say I'm not going to be participating in walkout. This is where you can send patients to. Over 250 pharmacies, mostly independents, naturally are are feel safe and supported. So there was about 200 plus that were independents, but there are some CVSs and Walgreens and Walmart. Walmart actually has a different staffing model for technicians. So most of them feel a little bit more supported in that environment. So even though it has its problems, it, I have to give Walmart credit that they seem to understand that you need technicians to run pharmacies uh, and you need to give them hours continuously. So that's, that's one thing I could say, but that, that document is helping us. If we do have a walkout at the end of October or in the future, we're going to create a map across the country of safe and supported pharmacies where we can take care, take care of patients. If patients need immediate access to care, that's, that's where we're going to send them to. I am rooting for CVS and Walgreens to do the right thing and help change the profession. They have the money and the resources to do it. We need them as a partner, not as an enemy. So I, I am full, fully supportive of that. 
And uh, I think that the most important thing that we can do is educate the public that we are doing this not to decrease access to care, but to increase access to safe care. And that's the big key. Access to care is one thing, but we want that care to be safe because without it, the whole healthcare journey for anyone is all for naught. If we get to the pharmacy after they finally find out they spent days in the hospital or just a trip, they they know what's wrong with them. They're expected to get better. And if that last piece is not safe, we're all in trouble. Yep. yep. Hey, a shout out to Dr. Bled Tanoe, who was supposed to be on the show with us today. And her little one um, wasn't fe- feeling well. And motherhood comes oh. first and parenting comes first before work or, fr- or from this week in pharmacy of being a, but we're going to have her back, but she is very special to us. She's special to the profession and what she's done in sacrificing her own career and really taking big chances on uh, the launch of an organization and in an effort called pizza is not working. And it really brought a ton of national exposure starting in Oklahoma. It's spread throughout the country um, but she's one of our heroes, and I just want to give her a shout out. I, I have to piggyback on that and just say Bled's network that she put together, there's a little group of pizzas not working people in every state, and that was the way they were able to secure media attention on the state, local, and national level. So there was more... There was more media coverage of Operation Spotlight from little tiny towns to major media outlets like CNN and the Wall Street Journal that covered this story. And it has to do with a lot of people that she put together who actually care about the profession. So yeah, that that that's something that she does not get paid for. And uh, she really did sacrifice a great career at Walgreens uh, to to put it out there in the beginning. And she's 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 an awesome mom, and she has a she has a lot on her plate, and she handles it well. And I could say I, I totally agree with her that life is, and what your sentiments were, Todd, is that family comes first, and life is everything that happens outside of the pharmacy. And uh, mm-hmm. that's why I'm an independent pharmacy because you get a little bit more life and a little less pharmacy. Uh, Absolutely, man. I can, yeah, nailed it. So, uh, Doctor H, um, in thinking. Thinking of um, pharmacists out there who might want to make a transition from the chain environment to community pharmacy, um, lots of chain pharmacies are shutting down. Once again, you start backing up the dominoes that are falling, making that happen. It all goes back to um, us desperately needing um, payment reform and PBM reform. But give some of our listeners who are the the chain pharmacist that really would like to get into community pharmacy what what are some of your advice to to get the attention of of those community pharmacy owners yeah i can i can assure you that if you meet any sort of pharmacy owner and i have friends of mine that are that are pharmacy owners within the same city that i'm in is that you just go in and chat with them man they always have good valuable information I, um one of the big pharmacies here uh sans rx they have three locations in dfw and it's right down the street from me I became really good friends with their owner, man. I just, I've, I've built that relationship with them because we know that we are the same profession and we're trying to accomplish the same things. Um, by no means do we think that, you know, we're competing against each other or anything like that. We're, we're just trying to survive just like any other business. So my advice would be just go meet us, man. Just come hang out. We'll, we have time. I have time to do this. My pharmacy is still running in the back. So we're, we're all good here. So it's, it's, you have to make time to meet them. They have valuable information. They can share some of their best practices or, um, for people like me that have had lived that corporate world for a long time, so we have advice too that we can always give. 
Um, my DMs are always open if anybody has ever had any questions. Um, Todd, you know, I'm really responsive, so I can I can always chat with people. All right, let's put the lay, let's let's let, let's put the the low down here for the next stages. All right, <clears throat> we have the state pharmacy associations, we have the NABP, we have the APHA, we have the NCPA, and then there's a bunch of others. But I want to stick to those ones. Shane, how do we form a national union for pharmacists and technicians? so that we can control more of the narrative and more of the workflow uh, ratios, staff ratio to prescription ratio? Like, how do we actually make that happen? So over the last few weeks, all of a sudden, a lot of the unions want to talk to me again. So I've had a meeting just before I got on this podcast with UFCW. Uh, last week, I met with, you know, we had to drive to Riverside, California to meet with the Kaiser Union actually is a coalition of eight unions, but the Kaiser Southern California Union representatives, I went and had a meeting with them, as well as IAM Healthcare. Those have been the big three. I've been in talks with IAM Healthcare for quite a while. The director of IAM is a, a larger international union, the International Union of uh, Machinists and Aerospace Workers, but they have a smaller healthcare component. So their director has really been a, a vast resource of information, but we're working on a, on a few things that'll be coming out in the next few weeks to, for any individual store, uh, any individual CVS or any individual district at Walgreens or wherever in the country, the steps that they would have to take to unionize at a local level. A national push is going to be a very, it's a big, it's a, it's a tall task and it requires a lot of money, uh, and you're you're going up against uh, companies that have you know they're Fortune four companies, so they have unlimited resources in comparison to a guy running a Facebook page. So so you could imagine it's 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 a tall task. But we are I, I got a great group of people that are interested. If you are interested in being uh, in learning more, reach out to us the via direct message. I promise that. I eventually try to get to everybody as soon as I can, that we will uh, we'll, we'll tell you the steps you need to take on a, on a local level, uh, and you decide. I'm not, I'm not saying that unionization is the answer to anything, but I think that just ask a Kaiser pharmacist. I put that up this morning. Uh, uh, one of, they were willing to put up what their starting salary is in, in Southern California. It's $93 an hour for a staff pharmacist in Southern California. Uh, and they say, everybody out there, the first thing they say, well, uh, unions are just there to take your dues. And you know what their dues are? Their dues are $1.13 an hour. If you're making $93 an hour, yeah. I'd be willing to pay that $1.13 an hour for, for union dues, uh, especially when the average CVS pharmacist out here is making 65 to 70. So there's a significant, and that's the, that's just the smallest thing is the pay. Their, their benefits and their paid time off and their work-life balance is much better. So... Um, it, it might not unionization is not the the, the end all be all answer. I also think it's very important for us to be involved in those organizations that are doing the right thing. I renewed my membership with APHA, which I haven't done in years after Dr. Hogue took the time to say, you know, this guy might be somebody I want to talk to. I realize I don't have a million titles after my name and I'm just, I'm just the average working pharmacist, but I am a working pharmacist and I've been doing it, you know, with great intensity for many years. So uh, th that, that alone gave me hope for the profession and that we do need to be involved. If you're not part of the conversation, you're definitely not gonna be part of the answer. So um, 
I renewed the membership. Find your state organization. If you have strong leadership at the state level, you can really affect some change. Two things that I was involved in here, SB 362, I spoke on the House floor. It got metrics uh, and quotas out of pharmacies in California. They still find ways to circumvent that, but it's a step in the right direction. Uh, AB 1286, I wasn't directly speaking, but... Uh, Past President Richard Dang asked me to help disseminate some of that information. And that's the great thing about social media is if you have a platform just like this where you can you can get people to listen to you, you can affect real change. So the fact that so many people in California and across the country said, this is a, a, AB 1286 is the PIC bill, which essentially says that the pharmacy manager should have a say in the staffing concerns and the staffing issues within the store, up to and including closing that pharmacy if he feels like they're practicing in an unsafe environment. And I never thought it had a chance to pass. It had been sitting on Gavin Newsom. It passed, and then it had been sitting on Gavin Newsom's desk for a long time and was just recently signed, which is not coincidental about all the things that all the people, all the pharmacists across the country managed to do. So he probably thought the optics of it would be pretty good, you know, to sign it now. So we're affecting real change by doing things like this. And that's why, you know, I'm still doing it every day. I, I want to include one important thing is that, especially specifically for us in Texas, um, I have a really good relationship with the, um, the inspector for one of the inspectors for the board of pharmacy. Um, they have one of some of the most valuable information and specifically for us, she's, she's also an attorney. Um, so she really has like, she sees, all the issues and she can really help with, with making sure that you're doing things on, on, on the correct way. Um, so making sure you partner with those, with them as well. They always have a plethora of information. And like you said, man, I, I think it's truly important that we put pharmacists in the right light. Cause if I'm honest right now, I feel like our profession in the healthcare field, we're at the bottom of the total pool. That's just how it looks like to everybody else. Right. Sure. Like we're the McDonald's of healthcare, man. That's just, that's how it looks for us. Yes. And for a lot of people, there are some really brilliant pharmacists out there that really have an excellent voice that I don't feel like have been put out enough. Um, so making sure that you're doing things with the community, doing things like you said at your local government. Um, I had an interview with the, with the mayor of Frisco like just a couple of years ago. So it's, it's doing things like that are, are so important because you have to expect yourself more outside of your profession too. Totally yeah. agree. How do we take a disciple handbook um, that's pro pharmacy. And we, we all three of us all keep saying we do not want Walgreens and CVS and we don't want you to fail. We want it to transform to be better for the safety of our, our pharmacists, safety of our technicians, safety of the patient. So what you say to the listeners right now, Shane, that do want to take action, should they go to their state of pharmacy association and ask, Hey, is there any initiative in, helping to straighten this out, Operation Spotlight. They go to the NAPP. Um, do they do a combination of the two? What, what's your advice? Yeah, I, I think I think you should pick a state a state organization and a national organization that you want to be involved in in some way. And it doesn't even it, pick pick a topic when you when you when you compartmentalize and you pick one thing. That you, if you want PBM reform to be your main focus, there's a lot of problems in pharmacy. So take your pick. Right. Um, yeah. So pick one, one thing that you would like to see change and work on that and call out the associations when you can. When, when all this was going on, I was putting up statements from the Kansas City uh, walkout organizers. And I said in one of them, tag your state organization and find out what they have to say. And I was really surprised because so many people were tagging 
the Tennessee Pharmacists Association, the Florida Pharmacists Association. Some of them responded very well. Some of them did not. So you decide which, if your state organization gave you a great response, join and and go ahead and, and, and be part of it and be part of the, what the next steps are. If you don't like their response, join and change it. Change the leadership. If you have that strong opinion, join anyway and make a difference. You know, that's that that's the, really the key here. And I was so cynical for a long time. And, you know, life happens. We have so much. But sometimes Marilyn comes home from Walgreens and she says, please do not talk to me about pharmacy. Please do not do that. I promise. Just whatever. Tell me anything. Talk about sports. You know, don't, just just don't talk about it. But that's the thing is if you really want to do this and if you're really passionate about it, you have to make time. You have to find some time to be involved in at least one organization or have one cause that you're trying to do. And it's a hard thing to do when you have families in a life outside of going to going to your job every day. Very much is. I haven't I haven't been a part of APHA in I don't know how long, man, but maybe I'll consider it this time. Well, see, I'm I I told I, I told Dr. Hogue the same thing. I said a lot of your I went to the APHA convention that I was with Todd last year uh in in Phoenix. And most of the pharmacists that were there were in academia, were in clinical positions, and not really filling prescriptions on a daily basis. Um and because most community pharmacies feel like APHA is not, does not represent their interests and independent pharmacies the same way that they're not representing the interest interests of independent pharmacies. And we can change that. That's it. It's our organization uh, if we want it to be so we can make the landscape of that organization reflective of the community of pharmacists. And the, the vast majority of us are working in chains or in independent pharmacies. So we should make our organizations a reflection of that. So the gig economy plays into what is the ecosystem of the pharmacy industry. It has a big impact because when you start shifting pieces of the pharmacy industry around and things are being disrupted, right now we're going through this so-called staffing issue and really it's, it's because once again, our pharmacists just aren't being treated correctly. But I want to give a shout out to some entrepreneurs out of Texas that are building into California called ShiftRx. And the fact that this is going to impact the ecosystem of our profession because they're going to develop a way for pharmacists and technicians to come to the website and find pickup shifts and possibly even have full-time positions floating among their community pharmacies or hospital system pharmacy or specialty or long-term care or whatever it is. But I find this Uber-like RX-ish kind of uh, online system, uh, shiftrx.io, um, if you're listening, shiftrx.io. But I find it very interesting because when this continues to grow and this becomes a national opportunity, it's going to give pharmacists a lot more flexibility and a lot more uh, leverage to go back to their employer and say, uh-uh, I'm not taking this. I'm just going to go work shifts. Yeah. And I think this is great for independent pharmacies because that was the that's the one thing that's difficult. And I'm sure you could attest to this, Dr. H, is that in independent pharmacy, you don't have a whole pool of people that can fill in. So when you, I give every independent pharmacy owner all the credit in the world for being an entrepreneur and trying to navigate that because you're committing your whole life 
to that business. I, it's different than running a McDonald's. It's different than running yeah. anything like that. You, you are really putting your whole life into, into growing a business. So uh, Shift RX is a game changer. And I talked to uh, Autumn and Leanne, uh, the CEO co-founders of that company pretty regularly. I fully support them. And I am telling you this, not as a paid advertiser for that. They do not pay me anything. I'm just helping them out because I want to see independent pharmacies survive and thrive for a hundred years, for long after we're gone. And I think that this is one of those ways to support them and being able to give them staff and, and help them build out a network of pharmacists when they need a day off. Yep. Reach out to them, um, Dr. H, because you're right in their neck of the woods. They have coverage for Texas and for California right now. And um, pretty, soon, pretty soon, Florida. In Florida. Yeah, soon Florida. Listen, we're running out of time this week in pharmacy, but I want to give a shout out to uh, all the pharmacists and all the technicians who are feeling the stress right now in chain pharmacy. And I want you to know that you are absolutely not alone. I want you to go to the Facebook page, The Accidental Pharmacist. I want you to sign up. I want you to engage with Shane. I want you to understand what he's doing and what we're all doing in order to make lasting change and meaningful change in our profession. Um, Dr. H, when do I see you next? Are you going to be at, you're not going to be at NCPA this weekend, are you? No, no, not this weekend, no. Probably won't be until Diversify again. Shane, yeah, we're going to APHA 2024. I think you're coming back, aren't you? I'll probably be at APHA, and I'm also just me and Maurice have to focus on uh, Farm at Sea and the crew, so that's what we'll be uh, focusing on for that. But I'll probably be at APHA. Wanted to come down to NCPA, but it just wasn't in the cards. I got a. I'm going to a breast cancer walk with my girls, and uh, Marilyn and I are still de debating on whether she'll let me wear heels to to do the walk or not. <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck with that with the pumps. All right. I am so uh, thankful to both of you um, just being part of the show, Dr. H, uh, Dr. Shane. Thank you so much. Um, I want to give a shout out to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We have over 40 shows that you can find. Go to pharmacypodcast.com on any of the podcasting platforms. There are pharmacists out there doing some absolutely mind-blowing things. That was This Week in Pharmacy. I was your host, Todd Urey. We'll see you next time.